Chapter Twenty of Tom Playfair or Making a Start by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Twenty Storming of the Snow Fort. Mr. Beakey talks at cross purposes with the senior students. Oh, Mr. Beakey, shouted Tom a few minutes later, ring the bell, please. We've got everything fixed the way I want it and i came near forgetting it won't you please time us the fight isn't to go beyond half an hour if we last it out half an hour we win you know with which words tom started off at breakneck speed for the fort and such progress did he make that he was within a few yards of his entrenchments when the college bell gave the signal for the beginning of hostilities the sound of the bell coupled with tom's appearance drew shrill hearty cheers from the little boys as standing snowballs in hand they impatiently awaited the onset by way of echo a hoarser deeper sound came from the large yard it was the battle cry of the large boys confidently moving to victory scarcely had these raucous cheers been fairly heard when their authors thus far screened from the eyes of the small boys by the intervening building appeared in full view as they came rushing round the corner of the little boys dormitory forthwith a few balls began to fall harmlessly about the fort they might as well send off sky rockets remarked conway boys said tom don't throw a single ball till i give the word be sure not to forget all you have to do for the present is to keep your eyes open and dodge every ball thicker swifter oftener straighter came the snowballs nearer and nearer the attacking party hi hi come clear out of that little chaps shouted fanning who was well in the front of his party come and put us out came the answer from conway come on boys continued the energetic aggressor let's charge em inspirited by fanning's advice the large boys gave a rousing cheer now give it to em bawled fanning as he came within about fifty feet of the fort in prompt obedience to this order a shower of snowballs made the air white and two of the small boys each holding his hand to his nose marked their way to the infirmary with a trail of crimson Hoopla! now's our time cried tom as the large boy stooped for a fresh supply of snow fire as ball after ball whizzed into the ranks of the besiegers their expressions of enthusiasm so multitudinous before shaded off into blended expressions of astonishment and uneasiness presently however astonishment pure and simple stamped itself on their face for before they had fairly begun to dodge the well-directed balls of the small boys the shrill cry of charge came from the fort upon their startled ears and presto there issued at a run twenty-five of the small yard's chosen sharpshooters whiz 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 this was too much amidst the shouts and taunts of the small boys the crash of cymbal beat of drum and blare of trumpet all purloined from the music-room by the ingenious conway the large boys of st mars turned tail and fled not all however in the confusion of onset fanning and a few of the unterrified resorted to a maneuver quietly slipping aside they allowed pursued and pursuers to pass then suddenly advanced upon the fort but the smaller boys inside were thrilled with the martial spirit of their leaders they fought bravely still the issue could hardly be looked upon as doubtful slowly but inevitably the hope of the large yard advanced fanning's voice was becoming hoarse with joy he hoped that in a few moments the works of the enemy would be his but he reckoned without his host 
he was still urging his men on forgetful of the sharpshooters in his wake when tom's voice rose above the din hold the fort for we are coming bawled the young sherman and as he spoke he laid his hand on fanning's shoulder do you surrender continued tom fanning with his contingent turned only to find that he was hemmed in by twenty-five warriors bold never shouted fanning as with a vigorous shove he tumbled tom over into the snow we'll die first then die said keenan and forthwith twenty-four small boys fell upon the unterrified outnumbering them i must say three to one brought them to the earth bound them dragged them behind the entrenchments oblivious in the meantime of the galling fire of the main body of the enemy who were content to remain however at a safe distance from that moment the fighting on the part of the large boys was tame deprived of their most skilful throwers whose absence they had not noticed at the beginning of hostilities and without the leadership of fanning they displayed masterly inactivity whenever the junior students issued forth for a charge they had a capital opportunity of observing the elegance and variety of the senior students coat-tails in the meantime the prefects and several of the professors stood looking on among them was mr beakey he had a quick eye and it struck him presently that a number of the large boys were absent where could they be his suspicions were aroused perhaps they had taken advantage of his being a new prefect he had arrived in st mars but a few weeks previous to slip up to the village perhaps dreadful thought they might come back to college intoxicated mr beakey was familiar with stories of boarding schools and he remembered some sad cases of youthful intemperance he gave a sigh took out his notebook and ran over the list of the boys his face grew longer as he read and compared yes all the leaders the very boys whom tom had asked for were missing this is too bad he muttered to himself they are the last boys i would suspect of acting underhand i do hope they won't do anything to disgrace the college they are all good boys and it would be a pity to have even one of them expelled it's a pity i don't know the boys better but perhaps they're about in some corner or other i'll make sure of that point first just then tom on a grand triumphant charge came sweeping past him regardless of the flying missiles mr beakey caught up with him play fair he cried raising his voice above the din do you know anything about carmody ryan and those other boys you asked leave to speak to where are they mr beakey's face as he spoke was clouded tom judged the expression to be one of vexation and inferred boylike that the prefect was not at all pleased at seeing his boys routed i'll tell him the story thought tom after the battle when he's not so excited if i tell him now he'll give me a big scolding so he replied demurely mr beakey won't you please excuse me but really i'd rather not tell this answer confirmed mr beakey's worst suspicions there's no doubt about it he muttered as he made his way out of the thick of the fight these boys have stolen away to the village but i do hope they'll not drink anything mr beakey took out his watch he started it was two minutes beyond the half hour agreed upon hastening to his own yard he rang the bell a great scream rose from the throats of a hundred small boys as in the full flush of victory they charged their vanquished seniors for the last time it was a disgraceful rout no sooner had the bell sounded than tom quickly pattered to the classroom building stealthily hastened up the staircase and under cover of the cries of victory without 
and the growling of the prisoners within unlocked the door he then hurried away entrusted mr beakey's key to the care of a large boy and returned to his proper yard there to receive congratulations and fight his battles o'er again in the classroom which he had just left however there were no congratulations exchanged carmody and ryan were sulking in a corner ziegler was elaborately writing sold again on the blackboard will cleary was whistling the last rose of summer after the manner of a dirge while miller paced up and down between the benches like a caged tiger confound it burst out mcneff i was never so badly taken in since i came here you haven't been here so long you're young yet was ryan's consolatory reflection this is a pretty howdy-do growled cleary every mule in the yard will have the laugh on us i'll paralyze the first fellow that laughs at me said mccoy just imagine the grin on fanning's face muttered carmody the task of imagining fanning's grin seemed to be attended with some difficulties for it induced a silence that lasted for several minutes isn't that little wretch ever coming back to unlock this door cried arthur at length the fight's been over nearly an hour hasn't anyone got a button-hook there was sullen silence well come on continued arthur let's go to the window and catch some fellow's eye and get him to open up for us for goodness sake cried ryan don't they'll be laughing enough at us as it is but if the fellows once know we're here they'll march up in procession to let us out well said ziegler i don't propose to stay here forever i wonder couldn't i squeeze through the transom you might try said carmody encouragingly and who knows but the key is still in the lock you'll be just like that brat of a small boy to leave it there and forget all about it small boys are nuisances while carmody was speaking ziegler had taken off his coat and vest now boys give me a lift he said eager hands came to his help a trifle too eager perhaps for Ziegler was hurried through the aperture in such wise that he came down on the other side on hands and knees. "'You're a lot of lunatics,' he volunteered as he arose. "'You'd think I was insured for a fortune, and had two or three necks to break. There isn't any key here.' "'Try and break the door in,' suggested McCoy. "'All right. Get away from the door, then,' returned Ziegler. He stepped back a few paces, and then made a violent rush at the door catching and turning the knob as he threw the whole weight of his body against the woodwork the door flew open and ziegler flew in his flying progress was arrested by cleary who was rendered breathless and brought to the floor with his friend on top while the two unfortunates were ruefully picking themselves up the others broke into a ringing laugh shut up roared ziegler when he could command his breath you're a lot of fools you might have known that door was unlocked that's a fact assented carmody it's funny it didn't occur to you you're a pretty sharp fellow you know ah tell us something new snarled ziegler oh why doesn't somebody hit me hard apostrophized ryan we've been mooning in here over an hour and a half and that door's been open over a century slowly and sadly they went down the stairs each one trying to get behind the other a feat in which all of course did not succeed on emerging into the yard they breathed more freely when they perceived that no one was outside but mr beakey who had been anxiously scanning the four quarters in hope of discovering their whereabouts boys said the prefect whose suspicions were confirmed by their sheepish looks and blushing faces you're caught there's no getting out of it well that's so mr beakey said carmody trying to be easy and failing we might as well acknowledge it we've been stupid 
so you don't offer any excuses exclaimed mr beakey in astonishment oh well it was only in fun sir said ryan whose sheepishness had now grown intense only in fun gasped mr beakey fun fun that's not my idea of fun why it's not so very serious mr beakey said cleary in a conciliatory tone and i hope he continued you won't punish playfair on account of it mr beakey remembered tom's embarrassment what he exclaimed do you mean to say that that little innocent was concerned in it why he was at the bottom of the whole matter broke in carmody in astonishment at the prefect's obtuseness and let me tell you he's not so innocent either he's up to more tricks than any boy twice his size in this college confound him really said the prefect in a troubled voice the case is far worse than i thought boys i didn't expect it of you i thought you had more sense general sheepishness at its maximum some grinning helplessly majority gazing at their feet frankly he continued i am very sorry on your account oh don't bother about us sir put in cleary we can stand being laughed at laughed at echoed the prefect in dismay do you mean to say that such things are matter for laughter to the students of this college why certainly said ryan no less puzzled than the prefect and in fact i guess we'll have to laugh the thing off ourselves there now that'll do said mr beakey sternly i see that not one of you is in a condition to talk sense you will repent your words to-morrow when you regain the proper use of your reason the boys exchanged glances of perplexity for the first time they began to suspect that they were talking at cross purposes come now continued the prefect tell the exact truth how long were you up mr beakey meant uptown the boys thought that he had reference to the classroom over an hour said carmody and how much did each one of you take the boys again looked at each other do you mean chalk sir ventured ziegler i took a small piece but meant no harm and he produced from his pocket a bit of blackboard chalk mr beakey flushed with anger there wasn't anything else to take but ink continued ziegler and none of us wanted any this made matters worse mr beakey now felt confident that the boys were quizzing him enough of this nonsense he said you need not make your case worse than it is by untimely joking you have already acknowledged that you are fairly caught I missed you from the yard before you were gone five minutes, and you have shown some signs of sorrow. You have acknowledged that you were uptown for over an hour. Your shamefaced expressions and flushed faces show the effects of your indiscretion. There is a clear case against you. So now you may as well out with the whole thing and tell how much you took. The astonishment that deepened on each one's face with each remark of Mr. Beakey culminated in a look of comic amazement. The misunderstanding was too ridiculous. Mr. Beakey's last question was the signal for a hearty burst of laughter. "'Boys, boys,' implored Mr. Beakey, "'for goodness' sake, don't create a scene.' Restraining his mirth, Ryan explained the misunderstanding, and as he spoke, it was delightful to see how the wrinkles and frowns disappeared from the prefect's brow, and how the firm set, stern lines about the mouth softened into the brightest of smiles. "'Well, boys,' he said, when Ryan had detailed their adventures, i acknowledge that i've made a big blunder and i ask your pardon i don't know the ropes yet you see but sincerely i am glad that i am in the wrong there was a whispered consultation among the boys then ryan spoke mr beakey we want you to do us a favor 
you and that playfair boy are the only ones that know of the way we were taken in we'll make him keep quiet if you'll promise to say nothing to any one about it you can trust me answered mr beakey not a soul shall hear of it from my lips thank you sir came the general chorus tom was easily induced to hold his tongue on the subject so too was george keenan who had suggested the plot to tom and so the true inwardness of the big boy's failure to take the snow fort now becomes public for the first time End of chapter twenty recording by maria therese